Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's legend follows the story of Alex Tarazas. He's born and raised in Mexico City. He's 26 years old. He's been doing races and obstacle courses since 2013 and running elite since 2015. He qualified to three Spartan Race World Championships in the elite category and raced in two of them. He staffed the Mexico 2015 death race and participated in the summer 2015 death race in Vermont. He's always loved being in contact with nature and he's always up to trying new things that challenge him physically and mentally. And today we get to hear his legend. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Tony. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for being here, coming all the way from, from Mexico. Where in Mexico are you now? Are you still in Mexico City? Yep. Yeah, right awesome. in Mexico City. Well, super excited to have you here and super excited to get your legend. I remember meeting you at that 2015 death race uh, in Mexico when you were helping us out. And you were just like so into it, I remember. And I'm really excited to dive in and, and, and hear how your journey unfolded. So, you know, let's just get into it. And um you can go in and kind of give us a little introduction about yourself. Um, what what you what do you do for a living, and what's your athletic background? Uh, well, uh, I finished college uh, two years ago on twenty eighteen, and now I'm work- thank you. And now uh, I'm working as an implementations consultant at uh, at a software uh, company. So I work especially with manufacturing companies implementing our software. Uh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. And. And uh, what was like your athletic background growing up uh, before you discovered Spartan races and all that uh, stuff? <laughs> I was all over the place. Uh, when I was little, I tried uh, different sports. I did a little bit of uh, karate. I uh, played a little bit of soccer. Uh, but mainly like the, the sports where I focused more of my time was basketball and tennis. Okay, uh, very cool. Yeah, so uh, when I was growing up, I started doing basketball, then I moved to tennis, then uh, I kind of got tired of it. I went back to to basketball when I was in in high school, and then when I went to college, uh, I started running, and that's where everything uh, came together. Yeah, yeah. So how old were you when you you went to that first death race that I met you at in Mexico? Mexico? Yeah, I was 20 years old. You're 20, uh, I, right? Yeah, that was February, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Yeah, I was 20 years old. And so you're you're 25 now? Yeah. I'm 26. 26, 26, yeah. right on, right on. And uh, the how did you how did you find this? How did you find the death race? How did you find running? How did you find Spartan? How did you find all of this? Uh, well, uh, first I found out about Spartan race. Uh, I started doing a little bit of CrossFit, a little bit of like uh, that insanity workouts uh, with a friend. And mm-hmm. then there was a, another friend in high school that told us like, hey, uh, I know you like CrossFit. You like a, a little bit of running. I heard about a, a race like where you have to crawl on, on mud and under bar- barbed wire and do a lot of crazy things. Uh, it's called Spartan Race. It's coming from, from the U.S. Uh, that, and this was in 2013. And I, w- I told a friend, like, hey, why don't we sign up? We uh, like we were a group of three friends and we went and we did it. And it was just amazing. Like, yeah. unlike anything we have done before. And we, we really, really, really enjoyed it. And we, we got really into it. And like I started watching videos about uh, who were the pros. At that time, I remember that at that first race, uh, Hunter McIntyre came to Mexico. He won, so I was like, "Oh, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, I, I want to beat him one day." And <laughs> while researching for videos, uh, I stumbled up with one video about the dead race, and I was like, "Wait, uh, this is nothing like the Spartan race that I did. Uh, so what is this?" And I started digging more into it, uh, and I was like, "Okay, so this is crazy, but it also sounds exciting. Sounds cool." Uh, so I told uh, my friend w- with whom I run, uh, my first Spartan race with like, you know what, let's sign up for a dead race. Like, uh, let's train. And when we graduate from college, let's make it like our, uh, like our goal to sign up for a dead race. Uh, so yeah, that's how I found it and how I like, like put my mind into doing one of this. And yeah. then in 2015, I heard like, oh, there's going to be a, 
at that race in Mexico. Uh, I sub, no, first, I think it was in 2014 where I, where the first dead race in Mexico happened. Mm-hmm. And they like published in, in Facebook, like, hey, if you want to be part of the dead race, submit a video. And I told my friend, like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, we cannot wait uh, until yeah. we finish college. It's right here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we submitted our video. We didn't get uh, selected. Okay. Um, and we were like, okay, well, didn't happen maybe next year and then next year when i heard uh it was coming to mexico uh i actually emailed uh joe decena yeah uh, i heard in a podcast or in a video about like his email i emailed him like hey this is how spartan race has changed my life i know you're coming to mexico because of the dead race i would love to to meet you and he emailed me back like hey why don't you come and staff the race with us yeah like, that's so yeah, awesome sure. <laughs> i will do it yeah, yeah, and then that's how like you ended up at the Mexico Death Race and exactly. uh, twenty. Yeah, that's so awesome. And so that's where I met you, and um, that was kind of your introduction. So that got you into this whole little world, right? Because you got a little bit closer to Joe during that time. You were able to talk to him and get to know him, and then he invited you out to Vermont, if I recall, right? Exactly. Yeah. After that, uh, especially I I bonded a lot with Mark Jones. Yeah. And after the race, uh, when they were planning like the Vermont race, they messaged me like, hey, are you coming? People from the race like asked me like, hey, are you going to come? You told us that you wanted to participate in one and don't, not just staff it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. And everybody was like, yeah, we'll help you. Uh, Taylor Cuevas, the guy that won the Mexico dead race was like, you know what? I'll help you with everything you need. I'll pick you up in the airport and uh, so like everything started to come together and I was like, okay, so uh, I'll go. That's so and awesome. I ended up in Vermont. And so what was like your why? Why did you want to do this thing? Why did you want to do this crazy death race? I, I think that's the, that's the word because it was crazy. Like okay. it was different. Like, uh, you, you don't hear about the people doing these things or at least like in my world, like the hardest things that people did were, was uh, triathlons, like Ironmans, that was, but everything seems like, okay, you swim and then you run and then you bike, uh, like it was hard, but it was simple. And then it was like challenging. This was different. It was, this was like a whole new experience. And so I was like, okay, so this is why I want to do it because it's, it's different. Uh, I wanted to test myself in this uh, kind of scenarios and it sounds, sounds like fun. Yeah. Sounds like something that I w- would enjoy. Uh, some parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that it will be like a cool story to eventually like tell my friends like, uh, yes, once uh, when I was young, I did these crazy things and uh, maybe like to my uh, children, grandchildren, like, hey, yeah, like, once I did this crazy race, <laughs> a lot of crazy people. Yeah, man, it's, it definitely gives us some good stories, right? And so even after seeing everyone participating in this crazy thing in Mexico, you were like, I'm in, I want to do this. And so you got yourself all set up. How did you start training, uh, especially after seeing after seeing what types of you know tasks people have to do in Mexico? Like, how did you train for Vermont? Um, I started, uh, doing a lot more heavy carries during my training, started, uh, running more with a weight vest. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I just kept running because that was also the year where I started to run in the elite category. Mm -hmm. And actually right after the, the Mexico, um, dead race, I qualified for my first, uh, Spartan race world championship. So I was like still training, like to run the shorter events, the super races. Uh, but at the same time, I, I knew I had this thing coming up. So I was like, okay, so do I prioritize? Like, because it's very different. It's right. a, a completely different style of training. So I was still like training as if I was going to race or shorter race, but like uh, doing a little bit more of uh, heavy carries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely something you got to prepare for is just the, the heavier weight that comes with death race that you just a regular Spartan does not have. I mean, you have to do some carries, right? But not like 
for multiple days on end. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a good plan. Um, and so going into this thing, especially when you've seen a lot of it, uh, a lot of the possibilities when you were at the Mexico death race helping us out. So going into that Vermont death race, did you have any fears? Was there anything yes. you were scared? Yeah. What were they? Uh, mainly the heavy carries because uh, I'm not very strong. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say like uh, in the races, the heavy carries are the things that uh, set me back a lot. And even if I was training, uh, I felt like I wasn't like gaining much progress. So okay. that was something that I was scared about. And the cold. Uh, spe- especially there was a video that I saw where they like uh, put the people inside of like almost frozen lake and they had to be there for like hours and I was like oh you know I'm very skinny so I get cold very easily so those were the two main things that uh, I was scared about yeah and those are like you know some legitimate fears especially you know uh, if, if you're not used to heavy carries it's there's a lot of heavy carries and yeah. if you're not used to cold like they're gonna try to find a way to get you in that cold vermont river so those are definitely legitimate things to be scared of um looking at the race uh the 2015 death race uh which was the um, the life right it was the whole yeah. cycle of life you guys went from birth to death uh, and we've heard a little bit about that on the show. So what was that experience like from your perspective? Uh, give us a little bit, brief picture of what that was like. Uh, I think it was like eye-opening. Uh, yeah. I didn't really know that there was like a theme for every death race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it gave a lot of like sense to the thing. Well, sense like in a, in a way because a lot of the things we do doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, but like it, it gave us a guide about why we were doing the things that um, that they told us to do. So that was very like eye-opening, like, oh, so we're not just like doing random stuff, like, hey, go and carry this uh, heavy rock for like hours and get in the river just because we want you to get in the river. Like it had like a story. So right. it, it made like the race interesting, like, okay, mm-hmm. so we know like the next step in life is like, um, like growing up. So w- what are they going to make us like to relate to that stage of life? So that was pretty interesting seeing yeah. how they relate like the dead race tasks to the stages of life. Yeah. Which stage of life was your favorite stage <laughs> that you guys went through? Um, well, I think that, the. Mm-hmm. It was either my favorite, but also like the one that I didn't like. It was like all the barefoot walking. Yeah, the long barefoot march. (laughs) Yeah, because they told us like, okay, so get inside the the river. Uh, You're going to be born. So now when you're born, you're naked. So you're going to start learning how to walk, learning how to uh, like, I think it was like the stage where you were like in kindergarten. So mm-hmm. like, oh, you're gonna learn to share. They gave us some balloons that we had to share between each other with other teams. So that was like really interesting how they tied together the, the tasks with a live story. Yeah. So that's why it was like my favorite part, but it also was uh, miserable yeah. at some point. <laughs> and what was, what was the most miserable part about like that walk? Was it just the, the length of it? Was it the fact that you're barefoot? naked what was what made it so hard um i think at first like the first couple of hours it was like the pain on, on yeah. the feet. yeah like yeah. Yeah, it's not something that you're used to uh so but after that like your body adapts and you you just like learn to go with it so after that i think that the most difficult part was the unknown like okay how long are we gonna be doing this like what's gonna be next um because they told us when we, they told us to like get rid of our shoes and our clothes. Um, they told us like, oh, you're gonna be like this for 20, for the next 24 hours. And I was like, yeah, that's something that they're just saying to mess, mess up with our minds, but it's maybe just gonna be like a couple of miles or something. Uh, it was really, <laughs> I think it was 24 hours that they, <laughs> that they- They did, they did not lie. <laughs> yeah, so like, I think that was the most difficult part, like the mental aspect of like, okay, is this going to be done? Are we going to keep going? Then we like group at some points and I was like, okay, so this is done. They're going to give us our stuff back. And they were like, okay, no, no, like, 
stand up and let's keep going. And I was like, okay, so what's next? Yeah, when uh, is this gonna end? <laughs> yeah, when, when is this going to end? That was, I think, the most difficult part, the mental aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really difficult. Um, what was one of the more interesting tasks that they made you do? Um, I really enjoyed learning the poem, the mm -hmm. poem by uh, Roger Kipling. Um, Can you recite it for us? Do you still remember it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> for like two years after the race, I have it all memorized because um, before the race, I told us like, oh, you have to memorize this poem and we're going to ask, uh, ask it to you at some point. So I, I learned it and during the race, I was like reciting it, like thinking about it. And the, some of the things that the poem says are very powerful. And the fact that you're like, like just thinking about it and repeating it to it to yourself, like it makes you like stronger. It makes you like think a lot about it, how you can relate uh, that to your life. Because sometimes you hear a quote in a movie and you're just like, oh, that's very deep, very insightful. But that's it. Like you don't take it like to your house and start thinking about it and where you can apply it. But since we were like reciting this poem over and over and over and over, so we didn't forget it, um, like it really got into ourselves and that was amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And so like the, the, the fact that you had this poem to reflect on gave you something to think about and gave exactly. you something to, and there was a powerful message in this poem that helped you to get through this, this event. Exactly. That's pretty awesome. And I mean, like, I think that's an important thing to touch on because sometimes mantras and, you know, different types of affirmations can help us to get through these challenges. So, you know, they gave you something to memorize, which is supposed to be a difficult thing, but really it was a helpful thing. Yeah, exactly. It right. was, it was yeah, helpful. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I guess uh, you said that was the barefoot walk was the most difficult thing. So um, what was a fun task? What was one of the fun tasks that you really enjoyed? Uh, I think that making the like the human dam. Uh, okay. When, yeah. when we had to like uh, stop the river from flowing. Uh, yeah. I think that was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was interesting because at first I thought like, okay, it's not possible to stop like a river. It was very cold, like the water was freezing cold. So I was like, okay, we're not going to be able to be in this water for, for much time. But the concept of like, okay, so you're like, I think we were like 200 people and yeah. like, okay, you have to stop the river with your body. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, like I, I never thought thought about the possibility of doing that because it was not like a small ri river; it was like a a wide river. Yeah, so, I mean these river. I mean the rivers have got to be at least. I'm trying to think measurement wise, you know, feet and meters because I'm trying to think in both measurement types. But it's big. It's a big river. I mean, you're fitting probably across a hundred people, maybe. Yeah, like, probably. Just across it. So I mean, almost everybody side to side. And then doubling that up, and that's how you're getting your little your dam. How did you guys succeed? Did you guys get to stop the water at all? Like <laughs> uh, kind of, because the, the, kind of. there's water that goes like oh, it's, it's everywhere. But through. but we we were able to stop uh, like the, the a lot the of the flowing water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were able to, cool. to slow it down. But uh, uh, yeah, that was interesting because there was like okay, there's uh, uh, a spot here. Like who's small enough or big enough to to be in here and stop the water right. and then everybody had to move and so yeah that, that was fun yeah that's that sounds like a lot of fun i mean that's cool like you're building a human dam i know we kind of tried to do it but we didn't have nearly enough people at the time when they tried to make us do it so it was like you know it, it, the effort was <laughs> not there but um that's pretty cool that you guys were able to actually make the water kind of stop a little bit and uh, it's amazing what te a team can do um so during the event, what were you, what did you eat? What did you eat to sustain yourself? Uh, I think that was my biggest mistake during the yeah. whole event. The, okay, tell us the, about that. Yeah, the food, because uh, I didn't prepare well enough on the food side. I was okay. like, okay, I, I was thinking a lot uh, about the time and how I felt staffing the, the dead race in Mexico. 
So I was like, when I was packing my stuff, I was like, okay, so with uh, some granola bars and some uh, like bags of cereal, I think I'll be able to to make it through with some uh, gels. Uh, yeah, I think that that will be enough. Some cookies, uh, but no, I didn't realize that we were going to be burning that much calories and that uh, especially that there was going to be uh, a lot of cold. So our body needed like more calories to keep us warm. So yeah. I didn't have nearly enough food as I wished. Uh, so I was mainly eating granola bars. And I remember that before the race started, uh, there was like a, a sponsor, like it was like some pepperoni stuff called like squanch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they gave us a bunch of, of those. So I was mainly eating that because that was what I was able to get before the race. Uh, they weren't very tasty, Okay. But, but that was what I had. Yeah, you just had to eat what you had. So was there anything that was actually, it sounds like you kind of went bare minimum, but was there something that you like really had that you like loved and enjoyed and looked forward to eating during it or no? No. Uh, no. no. <laughs> that I had, but I remember that the, there was one part where, when we were walking and a couple of people had had dropped out and they were on the side of the road, and they told us like, hey, we have these couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like, we're not gonna really use them. Do one some, and we we're like, yeah, because we were in teams like of uh, of ten people, like all tied together. And our team got one, and we we're like, okay, so let's share it. And I think that was the most amazing peanut butter and jelly sandwich of my life <laughs> heck yeah that'll that'll do it especially if you've been not not eating as much that's good that peanut butter and exactly. jelly probably yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the closest that, thing to that real food best, that, that was the best thing that i that i ate during the whole race so one of the big things that you learned was that you need a lot more food than you thought you needed yeah exactly and not just like more food but but quality food, not just granola bars or just a little bit of cookies or cereal. I think that uh, especially during these like multi-day events, uh, having like real food, it's yeah. very, important. very, yeah. very important. Yeah, I like those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Exactly, something that, <laughs> so, that so gives you a lot of, of energy. If you were to go back again and, and do another one, how would you change your food strategy? Uh, I think I would bring a lot of uh, peanut butter. I, I After the race, I started uh, researching, and that's a thing that a lot of uh, of people eat during mm-hmm. these adventure races, especially because of the, of the amount of energy that it gives. Uh, so a lot of sandwiches. I would bring also some fruit. The issue with fruit is that uh, it gets spoiled very easily yeah. Yeah. if you don't, don't uh, keep it fresh. But I think that having more variety of uh of things to eat it's also yeah. important like having some fruit having some peanut butter having something sweet something salty uh, because especially I, I got like uh sick of those little like pepperoni sticks yeah so, yeah like i didn't want to that'll start to give you like heartburn and stuff you like eat too much of that yeah yeah that's so true. so having like a lot of different flavors i think mm. that that's something important yeah, I think it's important because with the flavors, uh, you know, sometimes we want something salty. Sometimes you want something sweet. Sometimes, you know, something not chewy, something chewy. You know, exactly. Different types of textures and different flavors and all of that. So you need to and, keep it mixed up. And I think up. that uh, during these events, if your body starts asking for something sweet, it's because your body needs that uh, that sugar. Yeah, like your body's saying, I need this really badly right now. Yeah, you and need if to, you don't give yeah. it to it, like things, bad things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really important lesson to learn and uh, definitely good advice for everyone listening that's trying to figure out like their nutrition plan is is, is that. Yeah, and uh, I think that also something important about nutrition is uh, trying it beforehand. Yes, like, yes. Seeing how your body reacts and that was something that I didn't do and I think that most people uh, find what they like, what they need by doing a bunch of these types of events, like trying different yeah. stuff and see, seeing like, okay, this type of food didn't work for me, but maybe this other will, and maybe that food will not work for uh, other people. Right. So it, you you got to do a lot of, do a lot of trial and error beforehand. Exactly. So when you when you show up for game day, you're ready. And, um, and it, on the fruit thing, you know, fruit does spoil quickly, but you know, something I found that actually is pretty great is baby food. You get those little baby oh, yeah. food pouches, and it's got all the fruity, you know, sweet flavors in them. 
but those things can last a little bit longer. I mean, you still are, there's still something that could spoil totally, but it lasts a little bit longer than, and it's, you know, a small little packet you squirt it in your mouth. Yeah, fast. that's easy to eat because you don't have to chew it. Yes, so, so exactly. That's, that's something advantage. I've recently, now I bring that stuff on all my adventures and like people laugh at me because I'm always going to the baby food section, but it, it works. It, it works. <laughs> yeah. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toes today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoes.com for 10% off your purchase. And don't forget to visit the Legend of the Death Race shop where you can grab a Memento Mori t-shirt or poster as a reminder to live your best life. Just visit legendofthedeathrace.com slash shop. So, um, how, do you, how did you stay awake during the death race? Did you uh, clean anything? I think it was just like, since we were moving, that <laughs> just uh, kept me awake. Uh, yeah, and that's just me a lot of time. Uh, I didn't go to any part where uh, they told us like, okay, so sit and wait. Probably mm. that would have been very hard to just like, be there uh, standing up or sitting down without moving uh, after uh, some hours without sleep. I think that would have been a challenge. But uh, since we were always moving, uh, I think that uh, kept everyone awake. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing, too. When the death race is where there's just constant movement, it's really not as big of a challenge. When when they try to give you some of that downtime in a couple of them, we've you know, that's where People start struggling to stay awake and struggling to, to get through. Um, so you're you're up many many hours during these races. Did you hallucinate at all? Did you see anything? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to a point. Uh, I I wasn't in the race for that much hours where I was uh, in the so state what, where I would have. Okay, so what I happened? Did. Tell us what happened in your race. Uh, so I didn't finish the race. Uh, I dropped out, I think it was maybe between 22 and 24, 25 hours into the okay. race. Okay. Um, I started getting really, really cold okay. while we were walking. Like, uh, it was already, uh, because during the day, like the sun heats you up and, um, so it wasn't that bad, but at night, uh, the temperature the temperatures drop. Uh, it started to be a little windy. We were still a little bit wet because uh, of the river. Um, so I was like, okay, so I'm getting very cold and I just hear uh, water running next to us. So my mind started just like thinking, oh, they're going to get us in water. They're going to make us go up back again into the river and my body cannot take that. And that was a point where like my mind just told me to like stop like yeah you're not gonna be able to to make it through uh the hypothermia of like the cold the water and yeah. my mind started playing tricks on me because i i kept hearing water like well, oh there's a river yeah. nearby so they're gonna make us go in the river and eventually uh, after i dropped out they made the people go in, inside a, a pond full with yeah. beaches so yeah. i was my intuition was right yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, my mind just uh, broke, and I just at one point um, they told us like, okay, so if you want to drop out, uh, here's a good spot to do it. A van can come and pick you up, and I was like, I saw a lot of people dropping out at that point, and I was like, okay, so I guess this is it. Yeah, and so how did you um, how did you deal with that? How did uh, you know you? You didn't finish. You you say your mind broke. Um, have you? What have you done to work on that since then? Like, uh, have you tried to strengthen your your resolve? Yeah, I think that uh, at that point, I w when I went into the race, I wasn't really ready. Between the especially the food stuff uh, and mentally, I I wasn't aware of how uh, like the toll it takes your, on your mind like mm -hmm. doing one thing after another and because when i stabbed the mexico dead race i was on i wasn't like doing the task i just i was just watching them so i was like oh yeah i can do that but it's very different like having the the effects of, of all the things that you do uh on yourself 
So well, yeah, and it's like you, you see the task, you're like, I can do that task, but it's the adding them all up on top of exactly. each other. It's different, and you don't realize it until you're in it, right? Exactly. And um, so I wasn't completely ready at that point. I thought I was, uh, but I wasn't. Um, maybe now that I think about it, maybe I could have gone like a, a little bit longer, wait maybe until the sun rise. And a lot of people say like, okay, you just have to make it through the first night, and that will make like a whole difference in your race. Um, so what I've been doing after after the race i started thinking like okay so what happened i was wasn't i ready it was just because i saw a lot of people dropping out so i was like okay so it's okay for me to to drop out because a lot of people uh, are are doing this or is it because i i really didn't want to keep going um so i kind of regret of dropping out at the point where where i dropped out uh, yeah, and after that, I started working, realizing that things are not going to go the way you want them to go. Like, mm -hmm. And especially, I think that the most important lesson that that gave me was that you are never going to be ready. Even if I had known the effects that it, that the race was, were going to have, even if I had tried uh, had, or had uh, more food, there was something going to be, there was always gonna happen something that i was gonna be like okay i wasn't ready for this you cannot uh prepare for for all of the things that ha can happen and not just in in the race but like in life exactly like, exactly like i think that we are living a very strange year right now and nobody thought about it so it's like a yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a super great metaphor right there. And that, that's what the we always talk about. The death race is a metaphor for life because it's you know very much the same thing. You can't ever plan for everything. You, you don't know what to expect. That's how life is. It's not fair. Um, and the death race is not fair. And yeah, this this year has been super unexpected for everybody and, and everything that we're all dealing with around the world. Uh, it's very crazy. And I think the death race has prepared a lot of us for this crazy in, exactly. in a good way. Um but yeah, I think that's I think that's really a good piece of advice for everyone listening is like you just you're never going to be prepared for everything. So you do have to be prepared for everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be ready for you got to be ready for anything. Yes. Maybe not prepared for it, but ready for it. Yes. In the sense that like you can just, OK, I'm going to have to adapt and then figure exactly. out how to overcome I, I this. Th I think that's the best uh, word to describe it. Be able to yeah. adapt. Like, yes. you don't know what's going to happen, but you, you're going to have to change what you think, change the way you do things and uh, be OK with that. Yeah. Like, and so if you were to go back, the game plan would be to have better food preparation, better meal yes. preparation um, and maybe a little bit more prepared for the cold. Yeah, exactly. Any, I think. What yeah. else do you do to prepare to go back? Uh, I think um, the food, the cold and I thinking that I, I, I at the first of the race i started just like saying like okay one task at a time one task at a time uh and i think that if i had i would do it again i would start thinking like okay so instead of task by task like uh one day at a time like a little bit of longer goals okay. so because if i say one task at a time when the task ended it gave me like an opportunity to to stop there. Be like, okay, I did that task. I'm good. Like, yeah. yeah so but instead, if, but if, have a little bit bigger goal. Exactly. If I have a little uh, bigger goals or longer, like uh, spans of time, I would have like less opportunities for my mind to say, like, okay, you you finish, you can drop out now. Right. So maybe right. like one day at a time because uh, these races are usually like between uh, two and four days. Yeah. So, but in those four days, you do like maybe fifty tasks. So if I go like one task at a time, I have like 50 opportunities to drop out. Right. If I go like one day at a time, I have like four opportunities. To yeah. Go. So I think yeah. uh, changing that mindset of like uh, when I'm uh, going to like finish the next stage, I think that that I think that would have uh, helped. Yeah, I think that seems like a good game plan. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh gear so if you were to participate in another race like what would be the top three most essential pieces of gear that you would have for a death race 
uh, food would be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I think that having the right clothes uh, for the race, for the season, for the place where the race is going to be, do a lot of maybe doing a lot of research about uh, what the what the weather is like and having layers yeah. able to put things on and take them off uh, yes. to adapt to the to the temperature and also having like spare clothes if you get wet, being able to to change uh, yourself because. Um, hearing a lot of stories and seeing a lot of videos, hearing a lot of interviews, I think that in every race you're going to get cold and you're going to get wet. Yeah. And I think that that's something that breaks a lot of people. So being, yeah. being able to stay warm, I think that's uh, number one priority. Yeah, I would so agree with that. Food, uh, clothes, and I think that's that's it because uh, all of the other uh, gear they're going to tell you what yeah, you yeah. and you can bring extra stuff. But uh, if you think like, okay, uh, this is a, a race, this is like a, a an organization, they're not going to not tell me to do something and then uh, tell me to do something without that thing. Right. Like They're going to tell you at least the bare minimum that you need. Exactly. So I don't think uh, that you need more things than the things that they ask you in the in the initial gear list, uh, because they actually probably will ask you for more stuff. That yeah, uh, that's just, true. Like oftentimes the death race, they do give you more gear than you actually need yeah. on your list. Uh, I would say most of the death races, they tell you exactly what you need, and you usually don't need more than that. I will say on your note about food and about dry clothes and everything, I guess this will be the third piece of gear that I'm going to recommend uh, would be the dry bags so that yeah. we can keep food and keep those clothing dry because it's good to have the extras. But if, you know, you have the extras and it's just sitting in your bag somewhere and they throw your bag in the water, now everything's wet. But if you had your clothes in a dry bag inside your backpack, then those clothes are still dry, even though the whole bag got wet. That's that's a money. That's a yeah, good piece of gear. That's a game changer. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely having having the right amount of food, having enough food, and then yes. having having enough layers so that you can change. And yeah, I mean, if you're doing it in Vermont specifically, right? Like it's summer. It, 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 even in the summer race, it gets warm in the day, but at night it's in the mountains. It those cold, temperatures yeah. those temperatures drop really quickly, and you get into the, like you know the low forty, like even forties, I think, even in the summer. So it, it can get chilly. Um, yeah, I think those I are. I think that. Uh... Right. A lot of people like were carrying buckets, and mm-hmm. buckets wasn't part of the gear list. And I think I would rather like have extra food instead of like the weight that a bucket right. would add. Right. Uh, and especially because you're gonna be crawling, you're gonna be walking. A bucket's gonna like it's not very comfortable to be walking with a with a bucket uh, like uh, hanging bucket. The bucket is a highly controversial item because of like uh, the 2014 death race was uh the year where it wasn't on the list but then suddenly we needed to have a bucket for one of the tasks and everyone's like but it wasn't on the list and and almost only like a handful of people had buckets and that was the great bucket sharing um story where everyone started all of a sudden everyone had a bucket because uh, (laughs) everyone started helping each other out but i think that's why you saw people carrying buckets when it wasn't on the list yeah it's a lot of buckets it's an anomaly right like do you need the bucket? Do you not need the bucket? I don't know the answer. I don't know what to tell you if you're listening. So if there's no bucket on your list um, for the next death race that happens, eh, take a gamble, toss up, maybe bring it, maybe <laughs> don't. I don't know. If it's not there, I usually don't bring it. That's my that's my model. If it's not on the list, I only bring what's on the list, and that's it. Um, so yeah. how do you handle the controlled chaos of the death race? Um, I just let it flow. I think yeah. that uh, that's the best thing to do because uh, it is chaos, but it is control. You you know that they're never going to ask you to do something that uh, they will not be able to control if something goes wrong. Right. Uh, if like they're not going to ask you like, hey, jump like from this cliff, like that it's very high that you might be that you might die if you do right. it, like. No, they're they're going to ask things that are going to be hard that they like sound crazy, but there is always uh, 
some control around it. Some people that uh, thought about like, okay, what could go wrong uh, with this task? And they shaped the task around it. So there is always risk, uh, but there's risk in everything. You can like trip uh, walking down the stairs in your house and yeah. Uh, and you do it without thinking it. So there's always risk, but the people in the race really care about uh, the safety of the participants. They want yeah. to make you uncom uncomfortable. They want to make you suffer, but they don't want you really to like have a, a nasty injury or something that will uh, like affect your life permanently. So I think that uh, even if there is a lot of chaos, you just have to like go with it, do what you think you have to do, what they tell you to do. And if it seems crazy, just go with the flow. Yeah, there is yeah. a reason for it. Yeah, I, and I think that's, I mean, that's really it. That's the death race in a nutshell. You just got to go with the flow, take the punches. They're going to throw you all kinds of crazy curveballs and make it really, really hard. And that's just, you just got to go with it. You just got to let it roll. And, and, and okay, whatever's next. What's next? What's next, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So do you think you... Uh, do you think you'll go back to the death race? Uh, yes, I think yes. I'll do it again. Um, I don't know if maybe this year, next year. I think uh, I would have to like uh, shape my life around that race when I want to do it because it's a very specific way of training mm -hmm. uh, and of doing things. So I cannot be like trying to compete on other races at an elite level while also preparing for the death race. So I would have to like uh, say like, okay, so my goal this year would be the death race and that's what I'm going to focus. That's what I'm going to do and uh, train specifically for it. Uh, so I would do it again, but I think that right now I enjoy more the competitive aspects of the other races. Totally, so totally. Yeah, and that's and I think that's fair. I mean, you got to find what you like and do what you like, right? It's fun to do these really crazy challenges, but sometimes when you find like that, you know, I love running elite, right? Like then that's what you got to do. That's yeah. what you're loving. That's where your passion is. Um, so where did you? Where do you think your courage came from to the death race and and to push yourself like this? I think it was a lot from the people around me. Mm -hmm. uh, all the people telling me like, yeah, you, you can do it. We'll help you. Uh, like uh, people, Johnny Way, Joe Desena, inviting me to to that race. Uh, Taylor, who who told me like, yeah, you know what? I'll help you with everything you need. Uh, my family also like telling telling me like, yeah, we'll help you with whatever we we can. Um, that gave me a lot of courage. Like, okay, so if other people think that I can do it, why wouldn't I be able to do it? Yeah, so, yeah, to have that community, that support, that's awesome. Exactly. I think that cool. the courage, the courage comes from uh, around me. I love it. I love it. What um, what wisdom did you gain from your your death race experience? Uh, I think we already talked about it about that. Yeah. But it's th things will not go the way you want. You have to be prepared for everything. You need to adapt. Uh, and I think also very something very important is that. Uh, people will be okay even if you fail on your on your goals on your tasks because something that uh, hit me really hard when I dropped out of the race was like okay so I just disappointed uh, all the people that support supported me to be here uh, all the people that believed in me that like friends back home where I told them like yeah I'm gonna go do this crazy race and yeah I'm going to finish it like how am am I going to tell them like you know what, I didn't finish, I wasn't good enough. Uh, so that was something that hit me really hard. Uh, but then when I came back to my house and everyone was like, oh, you did great, it was amazing, and like nothing happened, I was like, oh, so it doesn't matter if I fail, the, like everything will still be okay. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can do it again and maybe next time I'll, I'll get it, but like nothing big happens if you fail. Right. And it's okay to fail. And like, I mean, I think yeah. failure is a good thing because you learn the most when you fail, right? As long as you're exactly. learning something, it's not a failure because you're learning and learning is, it's, it's everything. So, yeah. And I think that's uh, something that I have, um, like really made part of myself. Like, you know what? It's, it's okay. If you, if you mess up, uh, 
people will still care about you they'll still love you they'll still support you if you want to to do things again because they know you do you did your best yeah uh, obviously if i if i've had gone and at the first minute i was like oh, oh it's raining you know what i'll drop out that's a different story but if they know like uh you did your best and mm -hmm. you believe that you did it like there's no reason why you cannot uh try again and why you cannot uh like keep going and yeah. learn from that experience and put it behind you and uh go on to the ne next challenge yeah man i think that's a great lesson to learn i mean like people are still going to support you no matter what and and, and you're going to be able to take away uh, the, the knowledge to be able to you know keep going and try again yeah and I, I think that uh at that moment like you feel like oh if I fail this race, like I'm failing in my life. And if you like think a little bit more about it, it's like, well, yeah, but it's just a race. Like yeah. uh, not everything in the world, like uh, it's around this race about this achievement. Like there is a, still a lot of things that you can uh, do besides this. So yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, I think that um, that was something that I needed to learn at that moment. Uh, I learned it, um, so I'm be, I'm pretty grateful with uh, the race and the whole experience because uh, I was able to learn that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so, who do you think you were before the death race? As a part, like, who do you think you are now? Like, how do you how did it change you? I did think it, did it change? Yeah, I think I'm I'm. I learned to adapt more, uh, to like uh, take challenges, like things that happen, and not as and not take them personally. Mm -hmm. Like oh, like for example, this uh, the pandemic starts and you cannot travel, you cannot go see your family, and a lot of people it's uh, having a very hard time. And I just thought about it like, well, this is life now, uh, like. I need to adapt. I need to refocus my my things. I maybe not be able to race this year. I might not be able to go climbing that I was starting to do and I was starting to enjoy. Like everything changed. Look, so okay, what what new things I can do now in this new way of life? So I think that before the dead race, I wouldn't have been able to like shift my mind uh, on that way, and now I'm able to take challenges if something happens i can be more like you know what it, yeah it sucks uh i feel bad about it but uh i will not let that specific thing define my life or define who i am so yeah i will get mad i will say yeah it sucks but i have to keep going i cannot stay just like suffering uh over this thing that happens yeah yeah so just being more adaptable just to summarize yeah i love i love it i love it that is i mean that is a huge like gain right to be able to be adaptable that's awesome that's awesome um okay so i always like to ask this towards the end of the show uh if there's any books or uh book or books that you would gift to someone that was trying to pre prepare themselves for a, a death race or an endurance event of any sort yeah i think that um Two books that I think that uh, are very helpful, or that at least I think that uh, if I had read them before, it would they would have helped me a lot. Would be uh, the book *Run or Die* by Kilian Jornet. Okay. Um, I think that the way he lives uh, his life, his thoughts, how uh, he sees the mountains and everything, it gives you like a very special connection to nature. Mm -hmm. um, that it's very powerful when you're in the forest for days and you start enjoying the being at the night, hearing the sounds and everything. Uh, and also the book Born to Run by yes. Christopher McDougall. I think yes. those two books um, like have very powerful messages about who we are as human beings and our connection with nature, about what our bodies are able to do. Uh, and after that, I would say to anybody that is listening that they would read an autobiography by somebody they admire. Oh, it, yeah. It can be somebody from sports, somebody from business, anybody they admire, just read uh, they, their autobiography because maybe you will learn 
why you are admiring them. Why yeah. do you see them like as these amazing persons? Like because many of the success stories are from people that had to struggle, that failed. So if you have like an idol or something that you uh, look up to, and you see like, oh, they also had mistakes. They're not perfect. They sometimes have bad days. They sometimes are not very nice uh, people. Like, okay, so they have flaws. So even if I also have those same flaws or other other flaws, I still can achieve great things. Yeah, that's a really good perspective to have. And I think looking at other people's lives, especially people that we admire, and yeah. seeing that they are just like us in a lot of ways, is it's really humanizing and makes things easier to kind of just, uh, it makes the world easier to digest when you realize that we're all kind of, we're all the same. You know, we exactly. all come from, <laughs> we all come from nothing and then, you know, we are what we make of ourselves. Uh, that's, I think that's some great books. I love Born to Run's one of my favorites. That's the one that got me started. I haven't read Run or Die by Killian, but I just got his new one. Um, oh, yeah, Above the Clouds? Yeah, Above the Clouds. I just got that one, which I'm looking forward to, but I'm going to go back and read this one too. Um, I mean, Killian is just, he's like my personal hero. I look at that guy yeah, and see the same. amazing ridges he's running, and I'm always like, man, I want to be like him when I'm older. Which, <laughs> I think we're like the same age, but you know, <laughs> you get the idea. Well, Alex, it's been so awesome talking to you and, and gathering your story. If anyone wanted to follow you on social media and keep up with you, uh, how would they do that? Uh, I think the best way would be by Instagram. My okay. handle is terry.alex, T-E-R-R-Y dot Alex. Yeah, that's where I share uh, a lot of my adventures and all of the things that, I, that I'm doing. Well, awesome. Uh, again, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your legend with all of us. Uh, if you guys want to keep up with Alex and his adventures, that's how you can follow him on Instagram. We'll put it in the show notes. And stay tuned for more legends from past Death Racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, My Legend, The Legend of the Death Race book is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at that endurance guy or visit thatenduranceguy.com. We'll see you next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.